As preachers, we are taught to interpret scripture through several different methods and lenses. Until I entered into my seminary school, Iona, I never realized just how complex preaching can be. We immerse ourselves into the text that we've been assigned to preach and consider the surrounding text as well as it provides us with context as to what has happened before and after the text we are interpreting. We pull apart the scripture through a method called the hermeneutical circle, which allows us to look at the different worlds of the text. The world of the text informs us of the literary form or text type, its setting, genre, and who the characters within the stories are. The world behind the text, which provides us with cultural and social context, what is happening in the world and why, when the writer composed the text. And finally, the word, the world in front of the text. How does this scripture connect with our world today? We also read commentaries on the text written by biblical scholars who spend their lives interpreting scripture. We listen to the text on audio Bible so we can hear the words being read in different voices. As well as reading the written word in the Bible, we look at translations or specific words or phrases. We take into account who our audience is, who are we preaching to, and what is happening in the life of our congregations and communities as we prepare to present a sermon. And after all of that, we simply pray. We pray for the Holy Spirit to come down and work through us so that we can bring an inspired message that hopefully connects with you, the listener. Occasionally, the Holy Spirit throws us a left curve, and we feel compelled to adjust or rewrite a sermon that is a complete or near completion. We call that a Holy Spirit moment, and it can divinely inspire your sermon to reach new heights. It most definitely leads to being up much later at night than you ever intended to be, and I know that for a fact. (laughs) But what else can you do? God moves us on God's time, not our own, so it is late nights. A couple of times I've been stopped in my tracks either by the Holy Spirit, like I just mentioned, or when I read a commentary that takes my sermon, my interpretation, and calls it the easy way out, or simplistic, or you certainly could preach it this way, but that defeats the purpose of what Jesus is trying to teach you. Ouch, that hurts. However, it forces me to look deeper into the reading to discover if there is something I've missed or not understood and to put my trust in God and hear what he's trying to reveal to me. That's how I grow and mature as a preacher. The reason I am telling you this is because that is exactly what happened to me this week with the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector from the Gospel of Luke. I was prepared to preach this sermon differently but felt called out by a commentary, which made me rethink and rewrite. In our gospel reading today, Jesus is teaching this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and regarded others with contempt. I wonder if that resonates with anyone. 
He tells us of two main characters, the first a Pharisee, who was most likely educated, wealthy, respected, someone who seemed to do everything right. He attends the temple, he fasts, he tithes, and he clearly believes he is righteous and better than many. His prayer in the temple, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, thieves, rogues, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all my income. And in contrast, we have the tax collector who also goes to the temple. For work, he collaborates with Romans as he collects their taxes, even though they oppress his own people. He cuts a profit on the side and most likely pressures people for their money. He is not a nice man. Tax collectors were very disliked. They were called traitors and sinners. And this man knows that he has no means to claim righteousness. So he humbles himself before God with a simple prayer in the temple. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. When I first read this parable, I wanted to believe that it was simply about self-righteousness and humility or the lack thereof on the part of the Pharisee. Then I realized if I pass judgment and condemn the behavior of the Pharisee, then I'm caught in the same trap. And my prayer would sound very familiar. Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other people, hypocrites, overly pious, self-righteous, or even like that Pharisee. I come to church each week, and I've learned that I should always be humble. It aligns me with the Pharisee, because as soon as I fall prey to the temptation of dividing humanity into any kind of groups, meaning who is in and who is out, this parable asserts that you will find God on the other side because it is God alone who can judge the human heart and it is God who decides to justify the ungodly. The good news in this parable is that this story in which two seemingly unlike characters stand before God and are very much the same, they both need God's love and forgiveness. They are both loved and forgiven by God. The difference is that one is open to receiving God's abundant love, and one is not. The Pharisee asks nothing of God and goes home with nothing. On the other hand, there is the tax collector who comes to the temple knowing he needs God's love and mercy, even though he's done nothing to earn it, and he is not deserving of it. He knows that he needs He knows what he needs and asks for it. And because he has opened his heart to God's love and mercy, he goes home justified, aware of the abundance of love flowing down on him from God. Which tells me that if you and I can put aside our human-created divisions and stand before God and tell him our needs, just like the tax collector, God be merciful to me, a sinner, and our hearts are open to God's mercy, we too can return to our homes aware of the abundant love and mercy that God has to share with us. I'll close today with a quote from uh, Mother Teresa. Prayer is putting oneself in the hands of God 
at his disposition and listening to his voice in the depths of our hearts. Amen.